This is episode number 128 with CEO of LearnLoft and leadership expert, John Eads. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. My name is Nick Carrier, lifestyle entrepreneur and fitness trainer. My goal is for you to gain more clarity on what the best version of yourself looks like, what the best version of yourself is capable of, and then to give you the tools, tips, and inspiration on how to make that person a reality. Today I bring you John Eads, who is the CEO of LearnLoft, a leadership development company that exists to turn professionals into leaders and create healthier places to work. He is the author of the new book, Building the Best, Eight Proven Leadership Principles to Elevate Others to Success, and the host of the Follow My Lead podcast. John was named a top voice in leadership and management by LinkedIn. This is one of my favorite leadership and relationship episodes that we've ever had for this podcast. In this episode, John talks about the two reasons why he quit pursuing a career as a professional golfer. He talks about how we can increase our willingness to sacrifice for our future self. We talk about the eight principles from his book and the two reasons why people don't take action on doing things that they know they should be doing. Before we get into the episode, you entrepreneurs out there, you goal setters, business leaders, and basically anyone who wants to execute on their goals, you have got to hear about Chris McChesney's strategy execution workshops. Chris McChesney, author of The Four Disciplines of Execution and former guest on this show, puts on full-day workshops teaching people how to execute on their wildly important goals. The next workshop is down in Palm Beach on January 14th, and I will be attending this one myself, and I cannot wait. I know it's going to be a game-changer for me and my business, and I don't want you to miss out on this offer. By using the code BESTYOU, you can get a huge discount on your ticket. Just go to www.ompevents.com and you can find that link in my show notes for this episode to learn all about it and get your ticket today. January 14th, down in Palm Beach, get down there to learn about how you can level up on your business and your goals. Make sure you take a screenshot of this episode when you're listening to it and post it on your Instagram stories and tag me at carrier underscore best you and tag John at John G. Eads and let us know your favorite part or one of his favorite quotes because there's a lot of them. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on getting closer to the best version of yourself today with the super inspiring John Eads. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super fired up today to have John Eads with me, the new author of Building the Best, Eight Proven Leadership Principles to Elevate Others to Success. So, John, I really appreciate you having me here today. I'm excited to be here, Nick. Yeah, well, awesome. Good deal. As I said, guys, he actually just released his book yesterday, finally. Um, you guys will be listening to it a little bit later down the road, but yesterday was November 5th um, and just released it. He's been working on it for about five years now, if I understand correctly. So I'm su- sure you're super excited, but like you said, the work has kind of just begun. So excited to get the word out there about it. So John is the CEO of LearnLoft, which is a leadership development company that exists to turn professionals into leaders and to create healthier places to work. And like I said, he is the author of the newly released book, Building the Best, Eight Proven Leadership Principles to Elevate Others to Success. Um, you're also the host of a po- of your podcast called Follow My Lead Podcast, and uh, you were named Top uh, a top voice in leadership and management by LinkedIn. So super excited to get into uh, all things leadership and uh, get into some of those principles in your book. But the way I want to start today is I kind of want to get a little bit into your background. And, you know, we talked about beforehand that you graduated from University of Maryland back in 2006, uh, where you played golf. And then kind of for the about three years afterwards, you were an entrepreneur slash professional golfer. So I kind of want to start talking about that time and kind of like, what were you doing? What were you trying to create? And where did you see your life going at that point in time? Uh, yeah, it was, you know, anytime you make a sport your main focus in life, like golf was for me, uh, it was it was everything to me in many ways. And to get to the highest level of any profession, particularly athletics, you have to be pretty dedicated to it. And so I went on a golf scholarship to the University of Maryland, had some success there, turned professional right after school, uh, really with that dream and that aspiration to play on the PGA Tour and be on TV every single week and win majors and all those kinds of things. And you quick, I quickly realized that I just, I just trying to be so perfect. I was, if you've ever watched golf on television, Nick, the 
you see the best swings, the people playing the best, you see them, you don't see the guys that are struggling. And so when I would have a bad round or anything that would go bad, you would see this perfection on TV. And I thought, well, I've got to be perfect if I'm going to make it. And what ended up happening was I tried to be perfect. I I lost kind of my own identity and who I was as a golfer and trying to get perfect and things went south and the game just stopped being fun and so I decided I met a woman and decided it was time to hang up the sticks. And that's exactly what I did. And it was a tough decision, two and a half years playing professionally all over the world. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a game that you get to play for the rest of your life and it teaches incredible lessons. Yeah. And so I'm super thankful for the game and what it taught me and, and how I'm even able to give back through it today. So it's, it's been a phenomenal gift in my life. Yeah. So was that kind of the trigger point for you, like meeting somebody or what, what was the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to hang it up now, or I'm going to put, put up the sticks. What was that trigger point for you to decide that you were going to move on from it? That's a really good question. I think anytime anyone wants to give up a goal, there has to be some things in place. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer in perseverance and working through it and sticking, having the courage to stick it out and be committed to something. There are some times when giving up on a goal is acceptable. And we believe there's two reasons for that. The first is that the cost gets too high. So whether that be the financial costs or whether it be the cost with relationships or with other people, there just gets to a point where the cost gets too high. And that's number one. And then the second part is when achieving that goal no longer satisfies you Hmm. or it's not important to you as it once was. And both of those things happened to me. The cost got too high, both the the financial implications as well as the relationships that I had. And the second part was I just I stopped having fun at it. I mean, the game is supposed to be fun. It was a job, but it should still be fun. And, uh, and I lost my passion for it. And when those two things happen, it's a good time to move forward towards another or different goal. And that's exactly what I decided to do. Yeah. So when you made the, de- the decision to start moving on, did you kind of have an idea of where you wanted to go from there? Oh, I had no clue. No, <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue. But, but that's the, it's, in some ways, it's the beauty of life is that once you start doing other things, your purpose and your mission in life gets revealed to you. Mm. And that's exactly what happened with me. I, I, I tell people all the time, I never thought in a million years that I would love something as much as golf. That's how much I love the game. Yeah. And, 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 and that aspiration to be on TV or to play in majors and all those kinds of things, it, was, it was literally felt like who I was. It's not who I am, and it never was, but it felt like that. But I love what I do right now 10 times more than I ever did playing golf. Mm. And, it, and, it, and it was revealed to me through action, through doing things, through trying things, through, through some tough times too. I mean, I tell people all the time, my first job after golf was at a sales performance improvement company. I was selling large scale sales training solutions and I hated it. (laughs) I mean, I hated it. Yeah. Uh, It was tough every single day and I didn't have the expertise. I didn't have the skills that were required to excel in it. Now, through through sticking with that for a year, I got better at it. I got better at it. I got better at it. And that revealed to me the power of education, particularly professional education. And Mm -hmm. so that's what got my motor running about, man, I've never took my education very seriously. But when you see really good professional education, it does phenomenal things in our lives. And Mm -hmm. so to your point, did I know immediately? No, but I, I was willing to try something new that I wasn't good at. And through that revealed what my purpose is today. Right. And so like you said, you worked for Enterprise Sales. That was the name of the company? Uh, Sales Performance International is the name of the company. Oh, okay. And Enterprise Sales. Gotcha. Awesome. So like you said, kind of through that was revealed to you what you were like truly passionate about and what you wanted to move on, kind of working on. How did you, I I want you to go dive a little bit deeper about how you kind of discovered your niche of wanting to Kind of, and it probably was a little bit longer of a journey, but how you discovered your niche of wanting to get into leadership and learning what leadership was all about and then kind of like teaching it. Sure. Well, it started with um, <laughs> uh, some personal struggle, like most things in life that anybody gets a passion for. Something happened to them in their life or with a family member or to themselves, and then they want to solve a problem because of it. Uh, I really wanted to 
be an entrepreneur and start my own business. And I saw an opportunity to do that through my other company to run a division of the business. And so I was given that opportunity by their CFO. And so things weren't going well. We really struggled early. And uh, I decided to let go of one, one of my team members because the problem couldn't be me. It had to be them. <laughs> and so um, I, I let her go at the end of a, a meeting, Nick, and she looked me right in the eyes. She said, John, I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know what we were doing. And I didn't know how I was helping us get there. Mm. And if you've ever had to let somebody go, it's one of the hardest things to do. And it's really can be painful. And she left my office that night and I promise you, I've never cried like that in an office building before. Mm -hmm. Because when you realize that you fail someone from a leadership perspective, it's a tough thing to swallow. Because I thought I had some you know, leadership DNA, if you will. And so through that experience, I said, I don't know why that just happened, but I'm going to do everything in my power to not let that happen to other people. Mm -hmm. And that's really what created our mission and our purpose behind leadership. Obviously, at the time, I didn't know how to lead any better. I would have done it. And so I thought, well, we got to go figure out, I have to learn what the best leaders do so I can implement it. And then in theory, go teach others how to do it better myself. And so that's exactly what we've been doing the last five years. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, so I'm, I wasn't going to go here uh, this early on, but I kind of want to flip the script to, there's going to be people who are listening to this who aren't like in leadership positions who don't hold that leadership position and who might feel similar to this lady who you had to fire. Mm-hmm. What does somebody who feels the way she did in the sense that like, I don't know where we're going. I don't know how I'm helping us to get there. What can somebody like that do to maybe have the right conversation with the with their leader or start moving in the right direction to gain a little bit more clarity on their purpose themselves? It's a great question. And it's a tough question because every situation can be a little bit different. But having said that, the first thing you have to do is take ownership yourself. Mm. That leadership is not meant for certain people. We define leadership as someone whose actions inspire, empower, and serve in order to elevate others. For someone in a leadership position, it would be over an extended period of time. But for, for the sake of this discussion, someone whose actions inspire, empower, and serve in order to elevate others, that anybody can do that. Mm. I mean, it doesn't take you know, your leader to only be able to do that. You can do that for colleagues. You can do that for them. And so that's the mindset that I want you to put on. If you're in a position like that today, I use the example a lot when we do, when we speak and talk, which is if you've ever been to Cracker Barrel before, it's one of my favorite restaurants. And it's also one of my favorite restaurants because it has this little game that you can play. It's got these little golf tees in it. And if you get down to you know, five, four, three, two, one, they've got all these cool names for it. But the, the idea behind it is simple. If you use, if you can jump with every single T on the board, you can get really far in the game. If you take your time and you think you can get down to one T. If you only jump with one T at the very top of the board, you can only make one jump. And I tell you that because What we need today in organization isn't one leader at the top that's making all the decisions. We need an army of leaders at every single level that Mm. are out there to inspire, empower, and serve in order to elevate others. Because when you get a whole group to do that, Nick, what will happen in your organization is phenomenal. Mm. And so I was with a a CEO of Coca-Cola Bottling last week, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, John, you know, everybody wants to, to, what's your growth strategy? What's your growth strategy? And I get it. Everybody wants to grow. Mm -hmm. But he goes, companies don't grow. People grow. Mm. And our company's not going to grow until our people grow. And and our goal, our growth strategy is to get 17,000 servant leaders. Wow. Because if I know if we have 17,000 servant leaders, the company is going to be growing. Yeah. And I think there's a, a really powerful image there for anybody that's not in a position of leadership or that is struggling with their boss is to say, what can you do right where your feet are to lead today? Because you can do something, I promise. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so during like the, during this like earlier on point in your career, was there any one particular decision that you made that was one of the most important decisions that you made, but you didn't really realize the importance of it at the time 
but you realize it a little bit later on. I started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that is the dead honest truth. Okay. I uh, Early on, before podcasting had kind of gotten big, I was listening to Tim Ferriss. He's been around a long time now. But at the time, he had the number one podcast. Everybody didn't have a podcast at that point. Yeah, and right. I, and I would listen to him. I would go on walks every morning, and I would listen to him or a couple others. But it, 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 I always loved how curious he was. And he would, he would pull out these best practices from people. And I thought, man, I could ask questions. I'm a really curious guy. And so when I went through that struggle with my colleague that I didn't know how to lead accurately, I thought, what better way to get the answers from people that are doing it well? Mm. So that's why we started the Follow My Lead podcast. It's been around three or four years. And, uh, and it, it provided this, this opening that I didn't know that we were going to get the opportunity to do. But you know what started as the 10 people that I was closest to that I thought were great leaders, you know, it led to some interviews with you know, CEOs of SAP, like Bill McDermott, um, Movement Mortgage CEO, Casey Crawford, um, Villanova head coach, um, champion, national championship head coach, Jay Wright. So all these things started to kind of over time build on each other. And all of a sudden I was taking all this information in and then having to, to, to go out the other way to help our listeners and help our students now. So if there's one thing that's transformed my life, it was starting that podcast. Yeah, I love that. And I, the story, the Bill McDermott story in your book is one of my favorite stories. I I wrote down his name to look more to more into him because he went he went to interview and he told his dad that he was going to come back with an employee badge. And, and and he told him after the interview, he was like, "Look, I can't wait two weeks to hear from you. Like, I need the employee. I need the employee badge. I'm going to yeah, follow I through think, with this I promise to my dad." I think he actually said what happened was. He, he told his dad he was going to go to this interview and come back. And he didn't, he had no clue like how many people were going to be there. Right. And so he got there and there all these people in the waiting room and he finally got called in. He had a lot of doubt and he had this incredible interview with this guy. And the hiring agent said, Bill, uh, we really appreciate you coming and we'll be in touch. And Bill looked at him and he said, you don't understand. I've never lied to my dad. And I told him I was coming home with an employee badge today. And this guy thought about it. He thought about it. He said, Bill, if you've never cre- uh, had, had a felony and you never created a crime or been to jail, you've been officially hired. And that's <laughs> how it started at Xerox. It's an yeah. incredible story. Uh, and, awesome. uh, and so I, I, I love that because, you know, now he's, he just moved on from being the CEO of one of the largest software companies in the world, but he's, he gets human beings, he gets people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a great story for anybody listening to say, you know, you, 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 the, the mindset and the, what you take into those interviews or into the work that you do, half of it is just thinking too small. Yeah, I, d- I definitely believe that. So I want to get into more of the specifics of the book now and, and some of these eight principles. And I'm going to start off with number one, because uh, I really love number one. It's one of my favorite, <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite ones, but I've also heard it kind of in a different way. And so it, it definitely resonated with me. But number one is use high levels of love and discipline to elevate others. And I kind of want you to break down in the, in the book, you define them. So I kind of want you to break down real quick, love and discipline and, and why these two are so important. Sure. Well, it's important that we, we're not talking about any kind of HR violation here. Okay. Right. <laughs> We're talking about love to contribute to someone's long-term success and well-being. Um, Bishop Robert Barron says, to will the good of another. So love is a choice that we make. And when you're talking about it in the workplace, what more important thing can you do as a leader of other people or as a leader in general than to will the good of another? I mean, yeah. just think about that to right. put them first and think about what's best for them long term. And we need more leaders doing that. But if you only do that, you're going to be in a little bit of a world of hurt mm-hmm. because you also have to get performance. You've got to help challenge and get people to go higher than they thought possible. We do this in the workshop, which is when if you raise your hands above your, high, your head as high as you could, you, at some point you'll stop. And then if I ask you to go two inches higher, everybody can do it. Yeah. Why? Because we have a limiting belief. We're only going to go until the point in which it's uncomfortable. And so di- that's where discipline comes in. The definition of discipline is to promote standards in order for an individual to choose to be at their best. 
to promote standards in order for an individual to choose to be at their best. <laughs> you as the leader cannot choose for anybody as much as you want to. Yeah. It would be great if you could, if you had this magic wand. I mean, I got a seven-year-old at home and a five-year-old at home. <laughs> and if I had a magic wand, get it would be amazing. But right. I can't. Mm-hmm. What I can do is set a really high bar for what's expected in our family and let them choose to meet and exceed it. And if they mm-hmm. don't, we hold them accountable to it. Yeah. Uh, but the same is true at work. And the whole point here is that when you blend these two things together at high levels, you really start to elevate other people. And that's the key to successful leadership today. Yeah. So I do. And obviously leadership is really important in towards, in terms of bringing other people up and elevating others. Like you said, like the thing, like reach as high as you can, and then you can always go higher if somebody else tells you to do so. But how can we prevent ourselves from holding ourselves back from what we're truly capable of? Hmm. Like maybe without, like, obviously we need a a leader will help us break those barriers, but how can we start to try to break them ourselves? Well, I think it's a great question. And I would, I would go to the definition of self-discipline, self-discipline, the willingness and the ability to sacrifice what you want now for what you want more later on. Hmm. The willingness and the ability to sacrifice what you want now for what you want more later on. And the only way you can keep that self-discipline high is to have something at the center of it. And that is hope. Hope in the future, hope of something greater. The minute you stop thinking that you can go do something or that there's something greater out there for you, Nick, you'll stop being a self-disciplined person. Yeah. Just think about that for a second. Because if you, if you have some vision for where you're trying to go and what you think you're willing can accomplish, and that's out there, you're going to have hope and you'll keep making self-discipline choices. Yeah. If you don't have hope, you won't because we're going to default to what's easier, what's comfortable. So that would be where I go. If, if you want to try to self-motivate yourself and make really good self-discipline decisions, I would keep that definition in mind. Yeah. I I like the hope thing because it, or belief, because I think that belief sparks action, right? If you if you believe something has the ability to come true, then you're going to start taking action on it. And you have to you also have to believe that your action steps are going to produce that particular result. This is a really important point. Just because you make the ch- choices to be self disciplined doesn't mean the result is going to happen. Right, and that's where it gets hard. That's why most people quit. Because they don't see the results that they want or just like a health journey. I mean, you have a bunch of people that are in the health and wellness space. If I just went to the gym one time for 24 hours, I'm not going to be in shape. I promise. Still not. (laughs) But if I did 20 minutes every single day, if I went to Orange Theory every single day or five or six days a week, I promise I'm going to get in shape. Yeah. It's the same kind of mentality though that... Uh, we've got to have the belief that something greater is in the future and that we can do it so we can make those self-discipline choices. Yeah, no, I really love that. I relate that. I don't know if you've ever read, read The Four Disciplines of Execution by Chris McChesney, but I had him on the show and and on this topic, we talked about the power of small wins mm-hmm. because the moment you believe that what you're doing is futile, is is not worth or is not going to allow you to get to that next level, that's when you're going to quit. But if you have the small wins that allows you to see you making progress and allows you to see a particular result, then you're going to stay motivated to continue to take action. It's a great point. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Principle number two, uh, without strong relationships, you can't lead. So I'm not going to, I'm not directly going to bring something from the book. I'm going to bring something from your podcast that I heard. Hmm. Um, And because I think that, this kind of applies to it in a little bit of an indirect way, but I listened to a couple of your podcasts on confidence and, and self-confidence and also trying to transfer confidence into others. And one of the ways to do that is to transfer belief mm-hmm. into others. And I want you to talk about how we can transfer, act on transferring belief into others. It, well, one, it's really important. Because we, a lot of people don't wake up with this confidence, that inner belief in themselves. Because confidence is not, it's, 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 it's not ego. When you see someone out there boastful and there's a good chance they're trying to fill the gap that's something that's missing inside. And, and so 
knowing what confidence is is a good start. It's that internal belief in oneself and only they can choose. Only they can have it. But you can do things as a leader to help give them that confidence, to help provide that confidence. Again, you can't choose for them, but you can do things to support them. And I think at the core of leadership is relationships. And that's why the principle exists. Because if you don't have good relationships, you're in a world of hurt in leading other people. And giving, transferring belief, giving people confidence is a great way to strengthen that relationship with them. Because Mm -hmm. once they know that this person's on my team and they're out here to help me get better and help me improve and to see me grow and to see me thrive, why wouldn't you go to the ends of the earth for them? Right. And so that's where that transfer of belief becomes so critical. And I think to a story of um, Dabo Sweeney, and I love this because uh, one of his, they played at Louisville earlier this year in a football game and they blew him out. Wasn't even close. But one of their star freshmen hit a player in the face mask and he got a 15 yard penalty and Dabo didn't like it. And so what did Dabo do to this player? he made him ride a bus home from Louisville to Clemson and the rest of the team flew. <laughs> okay. Now listen, this is real. This happened like a couple months ago. Yeah. Active pure discipline, someone that didn't meet the standards to be a part of that team. And he held him accountable for that decision. But this is where the power of transferring belief to that young man came in. When he was asked about it to the media, did he tear that kid down? No. He said, I have never seen a better kid on this football team than him. And I know he's going to be a special player. And this is just a lesson he has to learn. Now, imagine being on the other side of that coin. You had to ride a bus home for seven, eight hours by yourself. And then you hear your coach tell the media that he believes in you. You run through a wall for that guy. Yeah. And that's exactly what, what Dabo understands here about relationships. Yeah. Well, and then that kind of touches on a little bit of the first principle too, right? The love and the discipline, love in terms of the media and the discipline riding back on a bus. That (laughs) sounds absolutely brutal. Brutal. Um, All right. Going to move lesson, I guarantee you. Yeah, seriously. Probably never did that again. Um, Principle number three is culture starts with you, but your people prove it. So a lot of people listening, like I said, don't hold uh, those leadership positions um, and, and I kind of touched on the topic a little bit earlier, but if someone feels like, and I'll just take it a little bit different way. If someone feels like they don't believe in the vision or the mission of their company, mm-hmm. or, or maybe it's not even like that big of the idea of the company or just like a decision that a leader makes and they truly like don't agree with it for whatever reason, like deep down, how can somebody maybe address that in a respectful way? to somebody above them? Well, culture is the shared values and beliefs that guide thinking and behavior. So when you start thinking about things that you disagree with, maybe in an organization, the ones that I would think are really important are values-oriented things, something that is a fundamental truth that you believe to be true. That is worth potentially working somewhere else for. Mm Mm-hmm. If it's vision, if it's a, a business strategy that you don't agree with, you, you, you make your case for why you think there's a better way. But at the end of the day, the ship is bigger than the people in it. Yeah. And so the, the, the organization always has to be the most important thing. So sometimes you might not agree with the decision or a vision or where we're headed, but you're a team player and you're getting on that bus and you're going to row as fast as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you make your case and you go your way. On the, on the culture side, if there's shared values or beliefs that aren't in alignment with you or your vision, I mean, of, of you and your life or the things that you believe to be true, that can be a different, different animal altogether. Because culture is one of these things in a team that is, you know, we've all heard culture eats strategy for breakfast. And, and it's, it's just simply true. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you look at almost every you know, Georgia, you name it. There, there's a, there's a culture that's being built and it's moving in a direction, whether you like it or not. And it's those leaders that decide what that culture is going to be. And then your people, just like you're suggesting that might not be in that position are the one that's going to be making that culture become a reality. They're going to be making the choices. Nick. 
Yeah. And so that's where this, this, this contradiction might come in that you're suggesting is if you can't make the choices that are in alignment with where this culture is, it might not be the place for you. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. There's, there's other places that are, uh, I'll, I'll give you a really tangible example. There's, there's organizations that are faith-based. Well, if you don't believe in God or Christianity, might not be the best place for you. Right. And then you could have the completely other side of the coin. You could have an organization that is in, on the on the leading edge of whatever diversity and inclusion. Not that's not bad. I'm just saying it's like right. You, and you might really struggle with some of the things that they put in the marketplace. Those are conflicting things that you might make a choice as a man or a woman that. That's not part of my belief system. That's okay. That's okay. That's why there's lots of organizations and companies to work for. Yeah, no, I think that, but I, th- I really think that's a really important thing to think about if somebody does disagree with somebody above them for a certain decision. I think it's really important for somebody to think about, like, okay, is this something like culturally that I'm not in alignment with or something just like strategy that I'm not in alignment mm-hmm. with. And, and because people probably don't think about it too much like that. But if you realize it's a culture thing, you have to ask yourself, okay, should I be working here? If it's a strategy thing, you need to figure out a way to kind of get on board and realize that you don't or know all the position answers. why you think that strategy is wrong. Yeah. You know, or, you know, bring up facts and figures and data to support why this might be a better way to go down the path. Or can I try to go down this path? and Mm -hmm. see where it takes us. I think people would be amazed is instead of blaming and complaining and, you know, their leaders or their company to say, what can you do about it? And, and that's where I think you're going to stand out as a up and coming leader in your organization. You say, I'm going to go test and try this and then I'll take the results and I'll show them what we've done and they'll probably get behind it. Yeah. Instead, they just complain about why it's wrong. Yeah. And, and, you, and you kind of touched on that earlier, kind of take ownership of it because people don't want you to come to them with problems. They want you to come with them with a solution. If you just come with a problem, they're going to be like, they're not going to give you the time. I have no time for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. We have, a, we have a, a, a standard in our team meeting that nobody can come with a problem. It has to come with at least an idea of a solution. It might have to be fully formed, right? but you can't just come in and complain. That's That's not an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like that. So in principle number four, which is people persevere because of purpose, not pay. You talked about James Franklin, who is the head football coach at Penn State, who used to be the head football coach at Vanderbilt. And you mentioned his four core values for his football team. And the fourth value is you must be willing to sacrifice what the common man will not. How good is that? It's so, so good. good. I literally like got the chills when I read that because, oh, so I, because I believe so strongly in that idea. So basically what I want to ask is how can we inspire ourselves and inspire others to increase their willingness to sacrifice? It's hmm. a really good question. You got to give them a purpose to believe in beyond money, which is why the principle exists. Now, it doesn't mean money's not important. And I tell people this all the time. If you're underpaying your people and you think you can just be a more purpose-driven organization and hope they're going to make ends meet, you do have another thing coming for you. Yeah. Okay. So there's got, there's, I think the latest statistics are somewhere between 70 and 90 grand. Most people need to get to a point where, you know, beyond that, is, is gravy trained with biscuit wheels, if you will. So once there's a point of pay, not a big gap between your competitor or something, that's where purpose becomes so important. I mean, if you look at a company like Chick-fil-A, you know, they don't pay their people any more than KFC. Mm-hmm. But why do people run to work at Chick-fil-A? Because there's a deeper purpose behind their work and they and then KFC. The same goes here with James Franklin or the principle there, which is if you want people to sacrifice more than the common man, you've got to give them a reason to do that. Yeah. If the only reason in this case of college football is to win a football game, guess what? Every coach in college football can say that. But what James Franklin understands is that he's out to develop the man, yeah. not just for the season of life, but for his entire life. And, and people get bought into that. And, um, the story of James Franklin is great because what he does with these four core values is he doesn't just give out an MVP of the game on Saturday. Right. He gives out an award in front of the entire team for the player who best lives out these four core values. 
Now you want to start to see more people get on board and get on the bus. Yeah, seriously. You start giving out an award for the player that's best living out these values in their community or who's, um, who's sacrificing more than the common man, who's coming in early and staying late, who's, who's doing these things exceptionally well above and beyond, and what's going to happen to the other players in that room, Nick? They're going to yeah, say, gonna I want it. that award. Yeah. And they're going to start sacrificing more than the common man. And it's got this snowball effect, which yeah. is exactly what you know they're doing at Penn State. Yeah, I think that's really cool that he rewards people for that. Um, I actually, you know, just to touch on just real quick, because you brought up the Chick-fil-A example, and you bring up them an, a number of times in in the book. And I actually was doing a podcast interview yesterday with a, a CEO and founder of a company. And I mentioned the story that you said on one of your podcasts about how you went to Chick-fil-A and the gift card was uh, <laughs> expired or whatever, and how the, the, the lady at the cash register just decided she was like, yeah, I mean, I'll give it, I'll give it to you for free or the cash for, or the, uh, it's valid. It's valid in my book. So I think that was really cool. Um, but principle number five is goals aren't achieved without principles put into action. And something that I do every single day is I have a whiteboard that I write down basically my to-do list for, mm-hmm. for lack of better terms. I don't like the word to-do list, but the things that, the things I do and something that I try to do, I'm not as consistent with this but I've seen the benefits of it in the past is next to my daily to-do list, I have like my weekly things that I want to get done that I write at the beginning of the week that I'm like, what is going to feel like a win for me mm-hmm. by, the, by the end of the week? And so this is why I really like these concepts that, that you talk about in the, in the book, the priorities accelerating growth and the what moves the needle, the, yeah, the PAG and the WM, WNMN concept. So I kind of want you to just touch on those. Yeah, I'll touch on them. The, there's, a, there's a system that we use, we teach in, in our workshops, which is called the GPI system. And what it stands for is goals at the top and a triangle, priorities in the middle, and initiatives on the bottom. And the principle is simple. Goals aren't achieved without priorities put into action. Just think about that. We can all have a goal. It's easy to have a goal. Just by writing it down, we're going to achieve 42% more of them. Mm-hmm. We've got to have goals. Um, and you can talk about SMART or however you like to define your goals is fine. There's some, uh, some methods in the book to do that. But what's where goals really start to get achieved are when we define where are we going to focus on in order to make that goal happen. And that's what we consider to be a priority or a PAG, mm-hmm. priority, a Priorities accelerating growth. So if you just have this goal, like let's just use the example of a best-selling book, then what are the things that I need to focus on or my entire team needs to focus on in order to make that goal become a reality? Does it guarantee? No. We're much more likely for it to happen if we have those priorities defined. Those would be the big things. We can use an exercise example. I want to lose 20 pounds by in 2020, by the end of the year. Clear goal plus a completion date. Great. What do I need to focus on as a health professional in order to make that become a reality? Tell yeah. me. Fitness and nutrition. Fitness, nutrition. I would add two more. I need accountability. I need someone to help me throughout the whole year. Yeah. So maybe I need to get some people around me. I need to have some accountability system. And then I need to help with my motivation. I don't yeah. get up jacked up to work out. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so those four things, maybe, you know, every single day, the daily initiatives are what you said, what moves the needle is what we call it. Those should be in alignment with those four priorities. Mm. If I'm doing things outside of those priorities, is, is it helping me get closer to my health goal? No. No, it's not. If I'm going to the bar on Saturday night, Friday night, Thursday night, and I'm eating bad till two in the morning, I promise I'm not working in alignment with that goal. And so that's where this system uh, becomes so powerful is when you get a goal to find those big priorities that you can focus on and then make sure each day you get one, two, or three things done before your day runs you in alignment with those priorities. It's mm-hmm. a, it is a system that works. I don't know how else to say it. There's an entrepreneur in Charlotte, phenomenal man. He's the one that taught me this. Every day he gets a, a, a note card, looks just like this, and Every single day he, he comes in and he, he was just doing all this stuff every single day and it didn't feel like anything was getting accomplished. So each day he would write down his two, three, four, five most important things and he called it his what moves the needle. Mm-hmm. Come hell or high water, that guy was getting those two, three, four things done. There was a lot of other things that came at him. Email, yeah. 
you know, but though, if I got those three things done, it was going to be a successful day. I'm getting closer to my goal. And that's what I want your listeners to think about. Can you get a list every single day? Not just a to-do list with all these management oriented stuff or these things that you just have to do because you're alive, but that are going to help you get closer to your goal. And that will change your life. Yeah. No, I love that because I think as you kind of express, it's a matter of priorities. It's not necessarily a matter of having enough time. It's a matter of making the particular thing a high enough priority to you. That's exactly right. I mean, we make time for what's important to us. Right. So if you want to check out, uh, Principles six, seven, and eight. You're gonna have to go get the book. Um, but but <laughs> what great principles. But I want to get down to a, a couple other things. So I kind of want to get back into you and a little bit of your your own experiences. And it might be that that firing and back in 2014. But what was the most humbling leadership moment for you? That was probably it. But I have another one. I was okay. doing a speaking engagement in New York about two months ago. Okay. Wow. Uh, and I went to go talk to, uh, 75 correction officers in the New York, New Jersey area and at their big year in conference. And I bombed, I mean, I really didn't do a good job and I don't know how else to say it. Here I am, a middle-aged white guy, uh, room, primarily African-American and I didn't prepare enough. I didn't put together good enough content for them. I didn't deliver it in a good enough way. Uh, And certainly I'm sure people took some things from it, but I really dropped the ball. And it was one of these humbling moments where when your job is to inspire, empower, and serve other people and you don't do it the way that you know you're capable of, it's one of those things that you just, you want to forget it. And So that was a really tough moment for me. Um, the, the interesting thing is I had to get up the next day in a different city. And I tell you, it was harder to get up the next day and do it to a different group of people than ever before because my confidence was a little shot and I felt like I had let them down. And so uh, that's a moment lately. I, I, you've probably heard in the podcast, you read it in the book, um, failure is not final, failure is feedback. And there's, there's some of these things that happen in your life, Nick that um, if you don't live them out, you say them, you say them, you say them, you know they're true. But when that crucible moment is upon you, are you going to live them out yourself? Yeah. And that's where life, I think, is so beautiful. Um, You know, we talk all the time about courage, being scared and deciding to do it anyways. And then yesterday we have this book release and I am filled with doubt. I'm filled with almost the scarcity mindset. And can I choose in that moment to be courageous? That's where the rubber meets the road. And so it's a long answer to your question, but I think that's somewhat of the beauty of life. Can Can you believe in these things and can you make the choices in those tough moments and those crucible moments to live them out correctly? And that's what I try to do. Yeah. Well, so what, what was maybe if, like you said, failure is feedback, what was maybe the number one piece of feedback that you took from that experience in order to not let that happen the next day? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, we've, we've gone over that day a lot to make sure it doesn't happen again. Right. Uh, everything from content to delivery to um, the expectations up front. So we looked at all three. We didn't just let it slide by. And, right. and, and I think that anytime that these things happen, you try to learn from it. You put things in place so you can learn. My team helps me with that. And then, and then you get back up and you go do it again. I mean, it's like a football game. You lose, yeah. you got you to go play next week. So uh, the same is true in, in each of your listeners' lives. I mean, you know, no one says you have to be perfect. Right. You're not going to be. If you think you're going to be perfect, I, just like we started this podcast, I was trying to be perfect when it came to golf and it, and it ended up being my demise. You're not going to be perfect. What you can do is learn from the mistakes that you make and get better. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I would, I would recommend all of your listeners try to do. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, a couple more questions here because we're running low on time, but that's funny that you said that thing because I actually just posted something like that on, on Instagram today. You're never going to be perfect, but you just have to be the kind, the kind of person who is willing to attempt to get as close as you can. 
um, and, and do everything you can. Um, so a lot of people will get the book. They'll read it. A lot of people listen to your podcast and they believe in the things that you're saying. They believe in the processes that they will work, but a lot of people still aren't going to take action. Hmm. Why? What holds people back from taking action? There's a guy named uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, and he said, uh, there's a difference in knowledge, comprehension, and application. Knowledge is at the foundational level. Uh, in today's world that we live in, Nick, knowledge is everywhere. A lot of times it's free, like we're doing right now. There's The information's out there if you want it. Mm -hmm. That's the beautiful part of today's world. But just because you might consume it doesn't mean you understand it, which would be level two, which is comprehension. Can you get someone to help you comprehend it? So then you can get to level three, which is some level of wisdom or application. So I think most people don't get to some level of wisdom or application for two reasons. One is they don't have someone to help them get there. They think they can do it all on their own. And number two, they simply give up before they get there. Mm. This is too hard. You know, just think of a health goal. You know, everybody kind of knows what to do, but why do most people not do it? They don't have someone to help them get there. And two, mm. they give up, you know, that, that burger just looks too good. Yeah. <laughs> it tastes too good. Um, and so that, that's, th those are the big things is knowing that you're trying to get to some level of application and it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. And that's hard for a lot of people to, to deal with because of the instant gratification world we live in. Yeah. And so that's where having that perseverance, sticking with it, knowing that this is really important stuff and, and you're going to be committed to, to making it happen because, I mean, I say this on stages all the time, there's a big difference in interested and committed. And if you're just interested, you're going to give up way too early mm -hmm. and you're never going to get to some level of application if you're committed to it. If you want to be a go get go be a better leader at home for your spouse or your kids, or you want to go be a better leader for your students at your, um, in your next workout session. And, and that's at the center of what you want to do. You're going to be much more committed to developing your skills in this area than someone that's just interested in it. Yeah. And, and that's the question I would ask your audience. Are you interested? Or are you committed? Cause there is a big difference. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, before I get into the last question, I want to make sure I acknowledge you, John, real quick. I think you are, Ability, well, for one, for writing your book to be able to define so many steps um, and applicable things for be able to for people to be able to start using, I think is super uh, unique. Like you don't really see as much applicable things in books, so I think it's really cool um, that people can start doing that. And your consistency uh, for how for how you show up as kind of the, the humble guy that you are, and you, I mean, you show up. I mean that's at you as a person. And then the way you show up professionally in terms of like on LinkedIn, I see you all, all the time posting article after article after article, which is awesome. Um, and you're just, and you're really your true ability to find inspiration from just everyday life and great, great leadership examples out of everyday life because you're, there are so many of those in your podcast and in your book that, um, that I just, that I just love to listen to and are a lot more relatable than, just reading inspirational material. Um, but I want to make sure people can thank, support thank you. Thank yeah, you. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. Of course. Want to make sure everybody can support you in the best way possible. Make sure you guys go get Building the Best, Eight Proven Leadership Principles to Elevate Others to Success. You can get it on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble. Um, it just came out yesterday, like I said, but you guys, uh, it'll be out for a few weeks now. When you guys listen to this, you can make sure you go listen to his podcast. I already mentioned it a couple times. Follow my lead podcast. Um, you can check out John on LinkedIn. As I mentioned, he's posting articles all the time, some great material on leadership. If you want to go learn more about his company, you can go to learnloft.com. What else? How else can people best support you? Johnneeds.com, learnloft. Th those are good. Building the best book is the book website. They can go check it out. Okay. Um, but yeah, those are perfect places. Perfect. Well, last question, John, is I think that becoming the best version of yourself is a constant journey. Uh, I think that we're always working towards getting closer and closer. Like you, like we said, you can't be perfect, but you have to be the will. You have to be the type of person who's willing to do everything they can to get closer to that to that perfection or to that best version of yourself. And I also believe it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get to the best version of yourself. So what I want to ask for you personally is if there are three things that you could currently do or currently work on to get closer 
to that best version of John Eads that you could possibly be? What are those three things that you could do or work on? Mine starts with my soul. Um, I don't think you can be a healthy person without uh, the spiritual work inside. And so I, that's a daily practice for me. And, and mine is a faith journey uh, as a Christian. So I, I do a lot of that in prayer in, uh, in, in trying to do things that grow myself spiritually, because I think if you die there, you have a, a really long way to go. And so that's, that's my number one priority. Uh, my, my second priority of growth is as a, a husband and a father. Um, it's amazing after being married nine years, almost 10, it's amazing. Uh, how many mistakes I still make like all the time. I mean, stuff that you would think <laughs> I would have learned from by now. Uh, so I'm re- I'm, I'm constantly working on, and you get so many opportunities as a husband and a father to learn from different situations and different experiences and to grow and get better. And so that's always a place I'm trying to develop in. And then the third area is simply um, my ability to mentor and help other people. You know, we, I've, I'm a big believer that you should always have someone older than you that's kind of speaking in your life. You should have peers that are that you're able to work through. But where most people stop is then pouring into younger people that are on similar journeys or on similar paths. And so that's an area I'm really trying to grow in and invest time and energy into to help people not make the same mistakes I made um, and, and help them grow and learn and develop. And so that's a big area of my life where I'm looking to grow is to try to help younger people kind of see what's really important here because yeah. what's not important is, you know, what other people think of you or how many followers you have on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. That's not important. What's important is who you're becoming and the character mm. and the values that you have inside that you can live out every single day. And, and I, I wish I had someone to help me through that when I was making a lot of the dumb decisions I was making younger. So those would be the three big areas that I'm, I'm working on right now. I love it. I love it. Well, three great things. I really appreciate your time, John. Thanks so much and good luck with the book. You got it, man. So there you have it. Are you ready to start improving your leadership skills? I know after listening to something like this, you're probably thinking there's so much I have to think about. There's so much I have to improve on. I know this because that's what I'm thinking, but we've got to remind ourselves that we're never going to be perfect at these principles. We're never going to be perfectly self-disciplined. We're never always going to say the right things in meetings, but we have to strive to be the person who's willing to try to get as close to perfection as possible. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you go leave it a quick review on the Apple podcast app or on iTunes. Make sure you share it with a friend who could get something out of this game-changing interview. All it could take is one thing from this episode for your friend or family member to turn their life around. And remember, the importance of love and expectation as a leader. Give those around you as much love as you can. Show them you care. Show them you believe in them. But you still got to see results. So expect a lot out of them because you believe in them. Remember that failure is not final. Failure is feedback. No matter how much of an expert you think you are in something, you're still bound to fail. So once you do... Get up fast by learning from it. And lastly, remember to take knowledge all the way to comprehension and then to action. Because if you know something but then don't do it, then do you really even know it? I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you thought by sending me a DM on Instagram. Rate and review the show. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Share it with a friend. Help to grow this community and spread this word so all of us can work together to get closer and closer to your best you.